The Guardian. Order. Questions to the Prime Minister. Tom Blenkinsop. Number one, Mr Speaker. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in paying tribute to our soldiers who have died in Afghanistan over the last week. They are Bombardier Samuel Robinson from the 5th Regiment Royal Artillery, Marine David Hart from 40 Commando Royal Marines, and the Marine from 40 Commando who died yesterday. We also pay tribute to the three soldiers from the 1st Battalion, the Royal Gurkha Rifles, who lost their lives yesterday and their comrades who were injured. We believe this incident was caused by the actions of an Afghan soldier betraying his Afghan and international comrades. I spoke to President Karzai about this issue yesterday, and a joint investigation by the Afghan authorities and international forces is underway that will cover every aspect of this incident and the lessons to be learned. But I have to say there should be no knee-jerk reaction, no change in our strategy. We must continue to work with the Afghan army to create a stable Afghanistan, able to maintain its own security and to prevent al-Qaeda from returning. At this very, very sad time, our thoughts should be with the families and friends of all these brave servicemen. What they do on our behalf is brave, is courageous, shows their dedication and their professionalism, and it is right that we pay tribute to them. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others, and in addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Tom Blenkinsop. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'd like to echo the, the Prime Minister's warm words about our service personnel serving abroad. Will the Prime Minister join me, uh, join me in praising One North Eastern Red Crinkling Labour Council for helping develop a £600,000 regeneration plan for the market town of Gisborough in my constituency in order to help small business? However, isn't it the case that for those who run small businesses, the government's VAT increase is the real jobs tax? Yeah. Well, first of all, can I welcome the Honourable Gentleman to the House? I know he used to work for Ashok Kumar, who was widely liked and respected across yeah. the House of Commons. Can I say to him, what we are doing to help small business is to cut the small business rate of corporation tax. We think that is the best help that we can give. And of course, uh, the future for small business will be helped by our local enterprise partnerships, which we think will be much more focused, much more local, and will deliver better than the regional development agencies they replace. Yeah. Nicky Morgan. Mr. John, with me in congratulating the Loughborough University Student Union RAG Committee, who, as well as providing many volunteers to local groups, have this year raised more than any other RAG in the country, and over a million pounds, including £34,000 in one day for the Royal British Legion. And this is not an example of the big society in action. Yeah. Can I thank the Honourable Lady for her question? I think it's absolutely right. Sometimes students can get a bad press for what they do, but actually, you can see in Loughborough. <laughs> You can see in Loughborough that they have been focused on doing things for other people, raising money for charity, and they should be congratulated. Harriet Harman. Mr Speaker, can I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Bombardier Samuel Robinson from 5th Regiment Royal Artillery, to Marine David Hart from 40 Commando Royal Marines, to the Marine from 40 Commando Royal Marines who died yesterday, and to the three soldiers from the 1st Battalion, the Royal Gurkha Rifles, who lost their lives yesterday and those who were injured. Everyone will share the Prime Minister's concern about what happened, and it's right we must have a thorough investigation. But as he said, we mustn't lose sight of the importance of the work our troops are doing in Afghanistan. Mr Speaker, can I ask him about Northern Ireland? Though it's now highly unusual for people in Belfast to see such violence on their streets, Everyone will be worried about the events of recent days. 
Can the Prime Minister update the House and can he tell us what discussions he's had with the First Minister and Deputy First Minister? And though it's a devolved responsibility, will he join me in paying tribute to the professionalism and bravery of the men and women of the Police Service of Northern Ireland? Well, I certainly join with the Right Honourable Lady in paying tribute to the police service. I think anyone who was watching uh, the pictures on our television screens last night could see how brave, how restrained they were in the, in the way that they dealt with, frankly, completely unacceptable behaviour. If I can update the House, last night was the third night of violence, the most serious of which has been in the Ardoyne district in, in North Belfast. Over 80 police officers have been injured after being attacked, including by petrol bombs, pipe bombs and bricks. The police came under fire on Sunday night and shots were again fired last night. The police have been forced to retaliate with baton rounds and with water cannons. But as I've said, I think anyone who watched what they did or who's had, like I've had, a briefing um, from David Ford, uh, the Policing and Justice Minister, knows that they acted with real restraint in what they did. I keep in regular touch with the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, uh, who has been in Belfast as well, to, to make sure that everything that needs to be done is being done. But as she knows, this is a devolved issue. And we should, having devolved policing and justice, allow David Ford and the First Minister and Deputy First Minister to give the lead that they are indeed giving. Harriet Harman. I'm grateful to the Prime Minister for his answer. And can I reiterate what I've said previously, that we'll continue to support and work with the government in its efforts to ensure a peaceful future for all the people of Northern Ireland. Uh, Mr Speaker, this week the government published their white paper on the NHS. They say they will get rid of targets. Can he tell us, will patients keep their guaranteed right to see a cancer specialist within two weeks of seeing their GP? Can I, first of all, just on the Northern Ireland issue, just make one further response, which I think uh, everyone will agree that now we have a police service that is fully representative of the whole community in Northern Ireland. There is no excuse for anyone not to cooperate with that police force. We all know in the end these things are not just dealt with by the police, they have to be dealt with by the communities as well, working with the police to bring people to justice for completely unacceptable behaviour. On the NHS, uh, what, what we have decided to do is this, is that we will only keep targets where they actually contribute to clinical outcomes. We all want to see a higher survival rate in terms of cancer. After 13 years of Labour government, I'm afraid we have not the best cancer outcomes in Europe. We want the best cancer outcomes. That means rapid treatment, yes, but it also means rapid follow-up. And it also means getting the radiotherapy and chemotherapy and the drugs that you need. Those are all essential. And the one thing that we will do on this side of the House is we will continue to put real terms increases into the NHS, whereas I understand it, it's now Labour policy to cut the NHS. But quite apart from the anxiety of having to wait, results are best if treatment starts as soon as possible. That's why it's important to get diagnosed and see a specialist quickly. He hasn't answered the question. The whole House will have seen that. He's dodged the question, just like his Health Secretary did. This is what the Health Secretary said when he too was dodging the question. He said in the House, I have not said that we are abandoning any of the cancer waiting time targets at the moment. So I ask the Prime Minister to give us a straight answer. Will cancer patients keep their guarantee to see a specialist within two weeks, yes or no? Yes.
for some people, two weeks is too long. Yeah. That's the whole. That's the point. If if a target if a target contributes to good clinical outcomes, it stays. If it doesn't, it goes. Yeah. Now let her answer a question. Is it your policy? Yes. Yes. I know. I know. I know she's not involved in the leadership election, which basically involves sucking up to the trade unions, but she is capable of answering a question. Is it Labour policy to cut the NHS? Well, no, I hope the Right Honourable Lady will confine herself, as I know she'll want to do, to her role, which is not to answer questions, but to ask them. The Leader of the Opposition. Thank you, Mr Speaker. And he still hasn't answered. He's obviously ditching the guarantee for cancer patients, but he hasn't got the guts to admit it to this House. Perhaps he can be more straightforward with this question. The White Paper says that his reorganisation of the NHS will mean extra upfront administration costs, but it doesn't give the figure. Surely he must know the figure. How much extra will it cost next year? Yeah. We are cutting £1 billion of administration from the NHS. Yeah. We are cutting administration costs by 45% over the next Parliament. Yeah. It's extraordinary that, I mean, obviously they can't answer questions, they haven't got any answers, Mr Speaker. Yeah. But uh, perhaps it's not unfair to point out that they are now defending the bureaucracy of the NHS. We say the primary care trust, the strategic health authorities, all of this additional bureaucracy, that should go and the money should go. We want the money to go on treatments and on patients and on doctors and on nurses. And she's left defending the vast bureaucracy that saw the number of managers go up far faster than the number of nurses. Is that still Labour policy? Um, he's talking about longer-term speculative savings, but he hasn't answered my question. And it's no good him resorting to his usual ploy of asking me questions. I'm asking about the real costs of his reorganisation next year, the very time when he says his priority is cutting administration and cutting the deficit. The White Paper admits there will be extra costs because of loss of productivity, staff relocation, redundancy. Does he stand by what he said just a few months ago about NHS reorganisations? He said the disruption is terrible, the demoralisation worse, and the waste of money inexcusable. We are not reorganising the bureaucracy. We are scrapping the bureaucracy. Is she, is she really going to be left? Is this Labour's great new tactic to be left defending the bureaucracy of PCTs and SHAs and all the quangos and all the bureaucrats, all of whom are paid vast salaries and huge pensions? So is that the new divide in British politics? They back the bureaucracy, we back the NHS. Mr. Bob. The Honourable Gentleman should calm himself. He's trying to catch my eye. He hasn't got much chance at this rate. Mr Bob Russell. (laughs) Voluntary organisations and charities were not responsible for the banking crisis nor the financial crisis left by the last Labour government. As we both value voluntary organisations and charities, will the Prime Minister discuss with his Treasury colleagues how the increase in VAT those organisations have to pay can be refunded to them? I will certainly have those conversations with the Treasury and we will want to do everything we can to help 
what used to be called the third sector, rather condescendingly, but I believe is the first sector, and that is the excellent charities, voluntary organisations and social enterprises that do so much for our country. One thing we should do is look at funding them on the same basis the government funds itself. The government's always very generous with its own bureaucracy, and it needs to recognise so often these first sector organisations have the right answers to the social problems in our country. Lillian Greenwood. Will the Prime Minister guarantee that firefighters and police officers, who we all rely on to undertake dangerous and physically demanding jobs, retain the ability to retire and access their occupational pensions before reaching state pension age? Can I first of all welcome the Honourable Lady to the House? I will look very carefully at what she says. As she knows, we have a a review of pensions taking place, being carried out by the former Labour Minister, the former Honourable Member for Barrow Inferness, who has, I think, great uh, expertise in this area. He will be making two reports, one uh, before Christmas and another in the new year, where we look at the issue of public sector pensions and we try and reach some fair resolutions and that's something I think all parties should be involved in. Chris Heaton-Harris. Would the Prime Minister uh, consider uh, having another conference uh, conference call with Mark Zuckerman, the co-founder of Facebook, whose site is currently hosting the group RIP Raoul Moat, uh, where a a whole host of anti-police statements are are, are on there and if you could have a conversation with him to take this group down, please. I think my honourable friend makes a very good point. Uh, As far as I can see, it is absolutely clear that Raoul Moat was a callous murderer. Full stop, end of story, and I cannot understand any wave, however small, of public sympathy for this man. There should be sympathy for his victims, and for the havoc he wreaked in that community, there should be no sympathy for him. Valerie Vaz. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, In 2005, the pupils of Joseph Leckie School made a DVD depicting their crumbling school. Uh, the Labour government gave them £6 million. Morally and legally, their legitimate expectation was to have their funding continued. So would the Prime Minister please ask the Secretary of State for Education to take some time out from his I Am Sorry tour of the country to meet me in Walsall South and explain his decision, the fifth version, to Joseph Leckie School and Allenwell um, Business and Enterprise College. I'm I'm sure my right honourable friend will be happy to meet with the honourable lady, who we should all welcome uh, to this house, presumably come and keep an eye on her brother to see what he's been been up to. Um, Um, and, and, uh, and I know, and, and let me just say this about the apology tour. I think there is something quite refreshing about a minister who makes a mistake, comes to the dispatch box, and makes an apology. I don't. I don't. But they've got their hands in the air. The Honourable Member for Morley and Outwood has got his hand in the air. Can anyone put their hand up if they ever remember him apologising for anything ever? He could start by apologising for the fact for the last three years he's been telling us that the Honourable Member for Colcaldi is actually the best thing since white sliced bread and now we're being told, now we're actually being told he's mad, bad and dangerous. (laughs) Mr Nicholas Bowles. The BBC Trust has described BBC One and BBC Two as boring. Does my right honourable friend agree that the gaiety of the nation would be immeasurably enhanced by the televisation of a 17-part psychodrama called New Labour, with Lord Mandelson playing himself. I think, um... Order! 
what, much as it might be fascinating to hear the Prime Minister's reply, I don't think it's a matter of government responsibility at all. <laughs> Mr Hugh Bailey. Taking account of the measures... I'm over here, David. Taking account of the measures in the budget uh, and the briefing that the Prime Minister has received from the Treasury, does he believe that unemployment in the north of England in 12 months' time will be higher or lower? Well, what you can see from the Office of Budget Responsibility forecast is that there's going to be, according to them, a fall in unemployment in every year during this Parliament. That is because, like uh, others, like the OECD, who made so clear yesterday that the budget is both courageous, responsible and right, we are putting this country back on the path to prosperity from the complete picture of ruin the last government left. Dean Dorries. Thanks to the massive deficit left by the party opposite, all but two departmental budgets are to be cut between 25 and 40 per cent. Could the Prime Minister tell us, are we about to see a 40 per cent reduction in the funding sent to Brussels and is the European budget to be cut also? It is very true to say that all international organisations have to recognise that as we make painful budget reductions in this country, that they should be looking to their budgets also. I have to say one thing we won't be doing is giving up part of the rebate for absolutely nothing in return, which is what the party opposite did. Angus Robertson. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Phase two of the Ministry of Defence Strategic uh, Defence Review is currently reporting back. Under consideration for closure and cutback, are in Scotland are two or three air bases, the only Royal Marine base in the country, minesweepers on the Clyde and aircraft carrier contracts. And that's not even starting with the Army, where we expect regimental and battalion amalgamations, remaining command functions at Craigie Hall to go, the future of Fort George and the TA network. Does the Prime Minister not understand that this is a wholesale destruction of conventional defence capability in Scotland? Obviously, we we have to have a defence review. The party opposite recognised that. I always find the SNP position on this quite confusing. I I didn't think you were in favour of having a British Army or having a Royal Air Force or having the British Navy. Perhaps if the policy has changed, what we will be having is a defence review. If the Honourable Gentleman wants to make a submission to that review, he's very welcome to do so and I'm sure will be taken extremely seriously. David T.C. Davis. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, Prime Minister, as far as I'm aware, it's not standard practice in the public sector for workers to fund their offices and equip them out of their own pockets and then to negotiate a bureaucratic obstacle course in order to get the money back if they're lucky. Could the Prime Minister tell us whether he thinks this is a good system for members of Parliament or whether it's undermining efforts of MPs on all sides of this House and want to offer a good service to their constituents? The Honourable Gentleman uh, asks a a popular and well-placed question. And and I have to say, I'll answer him seriously. I think it is important. What we wanted to have, and what is necessary, is a properly transparent system, a system with proper rules and limits, which the public would have confidence in. But what we don't need is an overly bureaucratic and very costly system. And I think all those in Ipsa need to get a grip of what they are doing and get a grip of it very fast. David Simpson. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can I, along with my colleagues on these benches, pay tribute to those that have lost their lives in recent days in Afghanistan and join with the Prime Minister in that and also to the police officers in Belfast that have been injured? Can I specifically mention uh, one of the Gurkhas uh, who 
lives in my constituency and was killed tragically over the past number of days. I visited the home uh, last night and spoke at length to his family and in particular to his father. Very proud of the fact that he had achieved so much in his short life and uh, his ambition was to be an officer within the Gurkhas. He was commissioned this year, went to Afghanistan in March and died in July. Can the Prime Minister assure this House that whatever investigation is held, that it will be thorough and details will be given to the family? And can I say this in closing, Mr Speaker? This House will know that when it comes to forces or the Crown forces, young men and women of Northern Ireland have never been found wanting. Here, here. Today, we have lost another son, and we hope it's the last. Well, I think the Honourable Gentleman pays a very eloquent tribute to his constituent, and he's absolutely right that we need to have an inquiry that gets to the bottom of what happened in this tragic, although I believe isolated, case. There's nothing you can say to parents who've lost a child uh, that will help restore the sense of, of, of grief and loss. There's nothing you can do, but it is important that they get the information to try and help achieve some sort of closure on what's happened. And that's why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why this review will be so important. Let me just say, though, that there are now around, I think, 5,000 British troops that are fully partnered with um, Afghan forces, working together day and night. And when you hear their stories about how well they're working together, it does give you hope that we're building an Afghan army that we will be able to hand over to. And we mustn't lose sight of that in spite of all the difficulties. Stephen Hammond. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Three years ago, the Conservative Council in my constituency recognised the need for a new primary school. They identified the site and, having sorted out the mess that the Labour Councillor left before them, in financial terms, committed the funding. Despite being left the funds, the Labour Council leader now is publicly failing to commit to build this school. Does the Prime Minister agree with me that my constituents should conclude that this is the reality, that Labour Party is saying one thing, doing another, and endangering school children's education? The, the, the Honourable Gentleman not only makes an important local point, but there is a very important national point, which is building schools for the future did nothing for primary schools. Yeah. And actually there's a growing problem of a shortage of primary school places, which wasn't being addressed by the last government, which will be addressed by this government. John Robertson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The Right Honourable Gentleman, the Prime Minister will be aware of members of his own party using parliamentary rules to try and undermine the national minimum wage. Can he here and now dedicate himself to maintaining the national minimum wage, not only ensuring its support, but also making sure that it does increase in line with inflation in the years to come? I can absolutely give him that assurance. We support the national minimum wage, we support its regular updating, and that is one of the many good things set out in our coalition agreement. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In South Acton, the Acton Community Forum is piloting an extremely good scheme called uh, Generations Together. It's all about encouraging each generation to pass on their own skill sets to each other, basically getting the community to help itself. Would the Prime Minister agree that this is a really excellent example of what the big society is all about? Yes. I agree. I agree. I have to say, 
Honourable members opposite who sort of sigh every time an honourable member actually mentions a worthwhile charity or voluntary body or a project that is doing something in, in, in their communities. We are going to change the way we do politics in this country. Instead of endlessly talking about the money that goes in, let's talk about the outcomes that come out. I think that is a better way of doing things. Karen Buck. Speaker. I'm delighted to report that GCSE uh, pass rates have doubled in Westminster in recent years and four brand new schools have opened. This week the Prime Minister was quoted as saying he was terrified of his children attending uh, a local school. But may I ask him to swallow his fear and instead join me in acknowledging the enormous progress that has been made, particularly in London secondary schools in recent years. I'm pleased to say that my children attend a uh, a local school in Conservative-controlled Kensington um, and also the other part of our constituency, Conservative-controlled Westminster. So, of course, there are good schools in London and, of course, there is progress being made. But like any parent looking at the state of secondary education, you want to know that there's going to be really good schools, really good choice and a diversity of provision. That's what we're going to ensure and I hope that you'll vote for it when the time comes. Andrea Ledson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Is the Prime Minister aware that I and colleagues this week had the privilege of a visit from the Royal Anglian Regiment? And will he join with us in thanking them for their amazing professionalism and for the work they do for us? I will certainly do that. They have actually served in Afghanistan on a number of occasions. On one occasion, I actually met them in Helmand province and heard them speak about some of the incredibly difficult decisions they'd had to take and some of the very, very brave things that they have done. We should recognise that we've now been in Afghanistan in one form or another since 2001. Many soldiers are going back again and again. That puts pressure on them and on their families, and it just means we need to redouble everything we do to support their families and our brave servicemen and women. Russell Brown. Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, Dr Kieran Breen, the Director of Parkinson's UK, uh, has been on the BBC this morning discussing the start of a clinical study uh, in Oxford using skin cells. I think all of us in this House want to see ongoing research into finding answers to degenerative conditions like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Will the Prime Minister give an assurance to the House that despite the global economic conditions, this government will not cut back on its funding for medical research. Yes. Well, well, no one wants to see uh, reductions in those programmes. They are very important. But like everything else, there is a comprehensive spending review. And it is no good, honourable members opposite, make, making this point. Whoever was standing here right now would have to look at public spending programmes and, and make sense of them. And I have to say, uh, I have to say that maybe they should listen to the speech that the Trade and Industry Shadow Minister is going to make this afternoon, where quite rightly he's going to say, fighting the cuts is a tempting slogan in opposition. But if that is all we are saying, the conclusion will be drawn we are wishing the problem away. We have a new problem in British politics. It's called deficit deniers, and I'm looking at a whole row of them. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Does my right honourable friend agree that Mr Noor and his family who have moved into a £2,000-a-week house at the taxpayers' expense in Kensington is exactly the sort of thing that the Coalition was elected to fight against. Yeah. Yeah. 
But my honourable friend is, is absolutely right. The housing benefit situation, particularly in central London, has got completely out of control. The idea that a family should be able to claim £2,000 a week for their house, I think is an outrage for people who go to work every day, pay their taxes and try and do the right thing for their family. That is why we will cap housing benefit levels from April next year so the maximum that can be claimed will be £400 a week for a property with more than four bedrooms. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.